Hello everybody, my name is Nkozi and welcome to the Two Sides of a Coin podcast. This week we're going to talk about two movies. First one is the fifth installment in the Insidious uh, horror franchise called Insidious The Red Door. Also, we're going to talk about the all AAPI-led raunchy R-rated comedy Joyride and we're going to talk about whether I like these movies and what I liked or disliked about them. So, let's get into it. One of the most interesting things about the horror genre is that unlike every other genre, the horror genre is in love with franchises and sequels. Consider this. I'm reviewing Insidious The Red Door which is the fifth in the Insidious franchise. They've had four Insidious movies, and they're doing a fifth one. I just reviewed Evil Dead Rises, which is a fifth in the Evil Dead franchise. So horror beats out every other genre when it comes to making franchises left and right. If you are worried about Marvel and saying Marvel is too big of a franchise, horror movies come out of everywhere and they say hold my beer because I'm going to show you what franchises are look at the Halloween franchise look at the Friday the 13th franchise look at the Chucky franchise heck look at Leprechaun or Hellraiser and you keep on going down the rabbit hole and you realize there are so many horror movies out there that have come out there are franchises that will spin off other franchises so horror is always in this interesting place where it really can just be its own thing and you're gonna come back for the jump scares in that particular franchise Because horror has its own way of doing things. And each genre has their own way of portraying each and every kill. Now talking about the Insidious franchise. Insidious is more about the back to basics review of horror. It's not about killing a lot of people. It's about the jump scares. It's about the impending dread that you feel around every single corner when something pops out at you. It's the idea that something is walking towards you that you just aren't paying attention to, that only the crowd can see, and building and building tension until finally it just bursts out at you on the screen and you jump and you have great jump scares. Because that's what Insidious franchise is built on. It's built on jump scares. Now, the one thing I do like about this series is that unlike other franchises where the main leads will disappear mostly from the movies, especially when you get five movies in, the Insidious franchise has kept it real tight and your three biggest stars. So 
Ty Simpkins, who plays Dalton Lambert, Patrick Wilson, who plays Josh Lambert, and Rose Byrne, who plays Raina Lambert, are all from the first two movies. They're all back in this fifth version of the franchise. And I really, really like the fact that they've brought them back and they have made this entire franchise work. I also like that Ty Simpkins, he started out as a child horror star and now he's a adult horror star. So I, I really like that progression and just seeing people grow and seeing a young actor grow into an older actor as they're doing the same thing. It does make me feel a little old, but I'm old. What can you say? But enough about me talking about these actors. Let's really get into the Insidious movies as a whole. So Insidious the Red Door is an interesting movie in the Insidious franchise in that it is a movie that really takes place essentially as a sequel to the third movie, to the second movie, sorry. Not the third or the fourth, because the Insidious franchise is so built off of the idea that souls and spirits are trying to get back into the life, into the land of the living, from a place called the Further, which is where souls that have unfinished business reside. So in the third and fourth movies, they really went into that with other characters. However, for in the second movie, if you remember, at the end of that movie, they wiped the memory of Patrick Wilson and Ty Simpkins' character. So that way they wouldn't remember everything that happened in the first two movies. So now that they've done that and they remind you that, hey... We wipe their memories at the very first part of this movie. When they come back to it, the characters have grown up. And they show, hey, sometimes the decisions that were done with the best intentions have a really, really bad impact on people. So one thing you note is that the impact of the wiping of the memory definitely hurts Patrick Wilson and Ty Simpkins' character. Not their acting. Their acting is actually really solid. But it definitely hurts their growth in regards to where they were from the previous movies and where they are now. So now, Josh Lambert, this family man, he was a devoted husband and he was very there for his family. Now, him and his wife are separated and you could tell that there is distance between him and the rest of his family and as he mentions he now has headaches and he's got a brain fog and he can't really associate and connect things well and as you can guess that's probably because he shut off an entire year of his life due to making himself forget it with ty simpkins he has anger towards his dad and his mom because he feels that something happened when he was younger 
and he just can't remember it and he does not know what's wrong so he's kind of lashing out and he's lashing out at his dad also for not being there more in his life mainly because these two characters chose to make their memories be forgotten this is a choice they made and to see two characters actually have to suffer the consequences of their actions i have to say makes me feel better about this franchise as a whole you always want to see in a movie oh my god the consequences of my own action so kudos to insidious the red door for making these characters actually deal with those consequences now another thing i really liked about this movie is i like the side characters in this movie you had a couple of them that were funny you had one that was actually pretty interesting i think because you had sinclair daniel she came into this movie as chris winslow she played the college friend of dalton lambert and i thought she was an excellent side character in that she was supportive she was not the token black girl she also had her own agency and they spent enough time with this character where she had everything you wanted your side character to be she had decent common sense she knew what needed to be done and also she didn't necessarily run away from danger to an extent she definitely had a very valid hey this is getting too dangerous it's time to not do these things so i really did appreciate that in terms of her character had enough agency that hey i'm not going to do these things it's time for us to not mess with things that we don't understand so when another character makes a bad choice she's like okay now i have to just deal with it because if i don't i'm not going to feel good about myself so i really like that there was also a uh, peter dagger who played uh nick he had another nickname in the movie i'm not gonna say it here but he was at least a halfway decent comic relief he had his moment or two where you're looking at this guy and you're like oh my how bad of a person are you and you just say you may not be a bad person but you're definitely not a good person or a person that i would want to hang out with on a daily basis so i really glad that they had at least that one person who you could consistently dunk on as well as a person that hey he came through in the one time he needed to be useful so i always like useful characters in movies i also loved in this movie the theme the theme to me in this movie was how just because you forget things does not mean those things still don't have an impact on you and i think that's a theme you see from the very beginning of this movie you are seeing patrick wilson and ty simpkins deal with the fact that they do not have their memory of this event that happened in their life and they can feel like hey 
something is missing. I feel like I'm forgetting something. I feel like something important happened to me. And just the idea that they did not remember what happened, even though they have no memory and they have no indication that anything should have happened during that time, it still resides back into your brain. It's still there. Even with the absence of it, you know something happened and your brain just fills in that empty spot with really a sense of just dread. And I know something happened. I just don't know what. And at the end of the day, I think the big theme is it's always better to know than it is to not know, especially if it happened to you. Because if you don't know what happened, how can you truly process it? How can you truly get past it? You can't get past something that you don't even know you need to get past. And our brains do a great job of keeping things in the back of our minds that even if we don't know what it is, eventually it all comes out. Secrets always come out no matter how hard you bury them. And I thought it's always better to remember and know why we're doing things than it is to forget why we do the things we do and to try and ignore them because ignoring them rarely works. Now, as much as I liked Insidious the Red Door, there were certain things I did not like. The things I didn't like are the rudimentary jump scares and this is really just a nitpick that I have with the franchise it's not a big nitpick but it is a little bit of a nitpick in that it feels like the insidious franchise does horror like you would do a ballroom dance where you have like step 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 scare step 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 scare step 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 scare it feels like a dance and once you get the rhythm of it you can tell generally with great efficiency where the scares are coming you could say all right scare doesn't come in the first moment the scare doesn't come in the second moment the scare is going to come in the third or the fourth moment so is the scare going to come here no that's too early is the scare going to come here no that's too early Scare might come here, but I doubt it. They're probably going to wait till that fourth beat and the scare comes. It felt like listening to a baseline where you knew where the drop was coming with relative efficiency. So if you weren't paying attention, you'd get jump scared and you'd say, oh, man, this is scary. Meanwhile, in the movie, after like the third time it happened, I just said, "Okay, nothing's going to happen here. Nothing's going to happen here. Nothing's going to happen here. Here's where it happens. And it would generally happen like that. So that's just my little nitpick in regards to the horror and the thriller part of it. I wish it was a little bit more unpredictable. I wish that it would have just hit us with the jump scare sometimes immediately and to just say, boom, hit you with the jump scare right off the bat instead of just waiting and waiting and waiting, building up the anticipation and then hitting us with the jump scare when you least expect it. Because if you keep on repeating that pattern, you're just going to expect it 
at the end of the day. So that's one nitpick I have. The second nitpick I have is that I wish this movie did more to incorporate the third and fourth movies. This really felt like it moved away from the third and fourth movies, and I get why it moved away from the third and fourth movies. They didn't really have anything to do with the Lambert family, but I thought it would have been nice if you're going to have these five installments where they do tie in with this family and with the further, make it so that way you have a little bit more to tie in from those other movies. I don't know, maybe they're going to do the sixth version of Insidious and they're going to feature as, as a, essentially a direct sequel to the fourth movie. I think that would be interesting, but that's just me. Anyways, at the end of the day, what I can say is if you want to be frightened in the movie theater, if you want your jump scares, if you like Patrick Wilson in his other horror franchise, not The Conjuring, but in this one, I think you'll like this movie. If you find jump scares to be tedious and if you can tell the beats a little bit more often than the random person, or maybe if you just don't get scared from jump scares and you really just don't like certain kinds of horror well then I don't think this one is the one for you but I will say that at the end of the day this movie does wear its heart on its sleeve at all times so it's at least an earnest horror movie so me personally I give it a home-cooked meal I think it's solid movie if you have the ability to go see it in theaters, I say go see it in theaters. I think you'll have a good time. And yeah, tell me what you guys think. Let me know if I'm right or wrong. And jump in the comments or send me an email and let me know what you guys think. I find one of the hardest genres to thread the needle on successfully is the raunchy R-rated comedy. And the reason why it's one of the hardest to hit that real perfect mark is because a raunchy comedy can have so many things go wrong. If it's too raunchy, it's just essentially a low-budget Van Wilder movie, which nobody really wants. If it's not raunchy enough, then you think, why did it even need to be R-rated? However, if it's too raunchy and the jokes don't land, it's not great. If it's not raunchy enough, but the jokes can be successful, then it can be moderately good, but you would just think, well, then this should be PG-13 if it's not raunchy enough, and then you don't have a raunchy R-rated comedy. Now, with the movie Joyride, that just came out this weekend, that is not the case. This is absolutely a raunchy R-rated comedy. However, it is different in that this is a comedy where you are dealing with four women who are Asian American in the movie. So you're talking about a female-led, all-Asian cast where they are the stars in the movie and 
it's up to them to be as raunchy as they want to be. So when you think about this, you may think about other raunchy R-rated comedies that were successful. You may think about the movie Bridesmaids. You may think about the movie Girls Trip and say, those movies really worked and were really successful. Can Joyride be that same successful movie? Well, let's dive into it. So, with the movie Joyride, the main premise of it is you are dealing with, you know, Ashley Park's character of Audrey Sullivan. She is a Chinese child who has adoptive white parents and she is met by Sherry Cola's character of Lolo, who is a Asian American child of Asian parents. And these two get together when they're very young and they become best friends. Now you have one who is the overachiever, Ashley Park's character even ends up becoming a lawyer. She's very successful. She's very driven. And you have, you know, Sherry Cola's character playing an artist who she's more laid back. She's way more going with the flow. In this movie, you have, for reasons that they will lay out in the movie, I'm not going to reveal it, they end up going back to China to try and reconnect with things that are happening in China. And they end up taking two, they end up taking one friend who is Sabrina Wu, who plays Deadeye, who is Lolo's cousin. And they meet up with Stephanie Zeus, Stephanie Hu's character as Kat, who in China is a famous actress, but she's also Audrey's former college roommate. So they do a slog through China and hilarity ensues. So what makes this comedy work? In my opinion, the reason this comedy works is very simple. A comedy only works if the jokes land. And thankfully in this movie, the jokes definitely land. And I feel that the jokes land and they are successful. It's because they're coming from, in my opinion, a genuine place. These jokes were not written for me. And what I mean is that they were not written for a guy. These jokes were written for a person who is Asian. And also, these were written for women. These jokes weren't written for men. I actually really appreciate that. I think comedy is at its best when it's centered in some form of truth or it's centered in some form of realness. And I think for the most part of this movie, most of the comedy is centered in their experiences as, for the most part, Asian Americans, people who are Asian American who are in China. I think that is where a lot of that comedy and some of the misunderstandings happen. So I really do appreciate it. Also, another thing I will say about this movie, this movie throws, I think, decent enough curveballs to everyone. There are definitely a couple moments that I'm 
I can't talk about because it would reveal a lot in the movie that this movie throws you a curveball and you're just thinking, I did not see that coming. Some of them are telegraphed. Others of them are not. Or if they're telegraphed, I have to think back on when they were telegraphed and it's very, very subtle. So I definitely like a comedy that's able to throw at you some subtle curveballs. They don't need to hit you over the head with the joke, but they also don't need to hold your hand and walk you through all the plot points. They actually don't talk down to their audience. They talk to you, and if you catch up, you'll catch up, and if you don't, you'll eventually figure it out. Also, I like the interactions between this cast. Ashley Park, Sherry Cola, Stephanie Zhu, and Sabrina Wu all are amazing in their roles. I thought the chemistry there was absolutely gold. At the end of this movie, you actually feel like they are friends. And even when they're not friends, you can tell that they're starting to respect each other. They are starting to understand one another. And you know what? I appreciate that. They are all really smart. And I think Sabrina Wu kind of steals the show because her scenes are some of the funniest scenes in the movie simply because she plays an amazing straight woman. When they say, why is your nickname Deadeye? And she just looks and they say, oh, no, I got it. Hilarious. High key hilarious. Stephanie Zhu, who most people will know, and I'm really sorry if I'm butchering her last name. That's not my intention. I do apologize on that. She plays in this movie, Cat, as I said, a famous actress. Now, for those people who may say that name sounds familiar, this is the same woman that was in the movie, Everything Everywhere All at Once. So the daughter in Everything Everywhere All at Once, this is her, and she's now in a raunchy R-rated comedy. And honestly, her skills just, they flow between the two roles. And she is so funny in the parts where she is. Just absolutely incredible. Also, big ups to Sherry Cola and big ups to Ashley Park. They hold down this movie a lot. It relies on you actually caring about every single one of these characters. And at the end of the day, I cared about every single one of these women. And I think that's a tip of the cap to the writing. But mostly, I think it's a tip of the cap to the acting. I think they knock it out the park. In all regards, I think the I think the supporting cast really does a great job of lifting them up and does more than enough to not overshadow the ladies and make them, you know, make themselves the main goal. You feel like these four women are the main characters of this story and everybody else who's coming into the story is actually just a side character to help tell these women's story. So, I really love that about this movie. Also, this movie, I think, has one of the best 
things in a comedy, which is when you can show love to the place that you're in, you can tell. It comes across the screen when you show, hey, we actually appreciate this place and we're trying to show it in a positive manner instead of in a negative manner. This comedy is not mean-spirited, even though it has some very mean moments in it. Most of the movie is shot in China. I believe it was shot in location. And you could tell they were trying to showcase parts of China that maybe you would not have seen. Parts of China that maybe you have seen or you've only seen in movies. This movie showed these women loving the country that they are in. They are, for the most part, Asian American in the movie, but loving China, you know, and if you have any political stuff, that's not what this is. This is a comedy. So I really did like that they showed love to the place that they were in just because it helps to balance out the comedic moments. If this was a mean-spirited comedy about being where they were, I don't think this would work nearly as much as it being a light-hearted comedy where they love the place that they were in. Also, I think this movie has some really strong moments, like moments where it wears its heart on its sleeve. I mean, it's hard to get to those moments and you don't necessarily see them coming, but there's at least one moment in this movie with Ashley Park's character where where she's put into a situation and that situation is so heartfelt that you definitely feel it. So I give big ups, like again, another tip of my cap to Ashley Park because you absolutely feel the emotion that's coming off of her in that scene. And I'm not going to lie, it almost made me tear up. Almost. This is still too much of a comedy for me to tear up like that. But I did think that was very, very fun in regards to this movie and showing the heart that needs to be there in a comedy in order for it to work, even the R-rated ones. Now, I showed a lot of love to this movie. So did I love it unconditionally? No. There are some things that I did not like, but I will say the things I didn't like are very small. So number one thing I didn't like, not all the jokes landed. I think enough jokes landed where I was happy overall. However, this movie isn't batting a thousand. So I would say about 80% of the jokes land and most of the big jokes really land. But there are definitely some jokes that fell absolutely flat in the movie and when you have a joke that falls completely flat it echoes in a movie theater so you're gonna have at least three or four of those moments in this movie most of them will be laughing or real laughing really hard but there are some jokes that don't land so i have to knock off points for that also this movie slows down at times a little bit too much i thought this could have been a little bit more fast-paced i thought they could have maybe sped up 
let's say about a third of this movie also i think if this movie was a little bit tighter i think they could have cut off like 10 minutes from this movie and it would have been a lot better overall but that's just me i know that i walked out and i was still happy but it could have been a little bit tighter that's that's just my opinion the final thing that i'll say about this movie is it doesn't have the absolute best joke to serious scale now this is actually the biggest gripe i have with this movie i think when you are telling especially a raunchy comedy you need to have enough of a joke to serious scale what that means is you need to have moments where this is fantastical where this is obviously to be taken tongue-in-cheek and this is not supposed to be real life in this if it happened in real life it would have much worse consequences than it not happening in real life however you also want moments where your characters are being completely serious where they are acting as if they're in a drama instead of a comedy and you want both of those things because if you don't have any serious bits in the movie then you're going to get a slapstick comedy like you would airplane if you have way too much serious bits in the movie then you may get something like i don't know the devil wears prada or something like that where the jokes are few and far between and you wouldn't even classify it as a comedy so i thought that jokey side to serious side was a little bit too skewed i think they could have gone a little bit more on the jokey side and it would have been better than them staying as serious as they did but they could have also i think gone the other way they could have gone a little bit more serious and cut out one or two of those big you know crazy moments so that way they could actually you know get kind of serious so that's that's just my opinion but i none of these things actually hampered how i like the movie so in summary i would say you know joyride is a raunchy slog through another country and it centers itself in the experiences of its cast and its settings and even though I did have some things I didn't like about it, those small missteps, they don't take away from the overall enjoyment that I have from this movie. And I'd give it a fine dining. Definitely go see it in theaters. Show this movie some love. Take your friends. I think you're all going to have a fun time at the end of it, especially if you can enjoy not being centered in the story that's being told. If you need to be centered in a comedy, like if the comedies you mostly love are from people who you see who look like you, and those are the funniest comedies you've ever seen, maybe use Joyride as an example of going out of your comfort zone and seeing comedies told through someone else's eye. I don't know. Let's try it out. See if you like it. But... That's how I feel about this movie. I would love to hear 
what you guys have to say. I'd love to hear your thoughts and opinions and leave your comments or your emails. I, I love to hear what you guys think and I would love to respond to anything you guys have to say. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. If you want to reach out to me, you can find me in several places. You can contact me on Twitter at Two Sides Coin. You can find us on Instagram at Two Sides of a Coin. That's T-W-O-S-I-D-E-Z of a Coin, all one word. You can email us at Two Sides Podcast at gmail.com. And you can listen to the podcast on Podbean, on Spotify, and also on Apple Podcasts. So we hope to really hear from you guys. I love to hear and discuss anything you guys want to talk about. And we'll talk to you later.